Let me just say a wee prayer before we come to the message. Hopefully it'll be a short message. Um, we'll see how we go with that. I plan to do short messages, but it often doesn't work out that way. But let's just pray before we, we come to, to God's word. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, which endures through generations. Father, many people have tried to uh, silence your word and to destroy your word, the actual written copy. But Father, your word has endured through uh, generations. And Father, not only millennia, but Father, multiple millennia. Father, we thank you uh, that your word is here and we can read it today. So Lord, we just pray, open our hearts to your word and may you speak through us and speak through it to, to us in Jesus' name we ask today. Amen. Amen. So it's hard to believe that this is almost my last message in 2022. Hard to believe. I'm, 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 Christmas has just came like a train to me this year for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and uh, these are some words which we read in the Old Testament, the last book of the Bible. And it says this in Malachi 4.2, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. And it's words written about Jesus and foretelling what's going to happen. Almost the last words. This is almost the last message. These are almost the last words in the Old Testament before, before a period of, of silence. Between the Old Testament ending and the New Testament beginning, there's a period of silence for about 400 years. There's a time of darkness where people are just getting on with life as best they can. Can you imagine living in those times two and a half thousand years ago? I'm glad that I live in these days. We have things like central heating and cars and houses that have roofs and insulation. In these days, they'd had none of those things. In a day where empires were rising and empires were falling, the empire of Persia at the time when this was written, the empire of Greece, which would rise up and then be conquered by another empire, which eventually became established, the empire of Rome. And people had to be subservient to the dominant empire. And the Middle East in that time would be dominated, at the time of Jesus, sorry, would be dominated by Greek thought and a cruel, really cruel Roman occupation that promised peace and security for the empire. But as long as you did things our way, terrible times to live in, very hard and harsh times to live in. And then along came a hero, an unlikely hero. And this hero had been promised from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time. When we read in Genesis chapter 3.15 about somebody who would come and he would bruise he would crush the serpent's head, but his heel would be bruised right back at the start. And I don't know about you, um, all of the stories which we love and they turn into movies and all sorts of stuff, they all have heroes, people who we look up to, heroines, people that we look up to, people of courage, people of conviction, and people of character. And I thought I'd flick up some pictures today of maybe some of the people that you identify as heroes. Does anybody remember this one? <laughs> this is especially for those who are just a little bit older in the congregation. Uh, Rooster Cogburn in the film True Grit, played admirably by a man called John Wayne, the Duke. And then one of my favorites is the preacher from the film Pale Rider. Anybody seen that film? 
people who we look up to as heroes. Who, who loves a good Western? A few people love a good Western. Did you hear about the dog who walked into a bar? And he says, I'm here for the man who shot my paw. Right. Okay. Humble attempt at humor. Apologies if you don't get it. Leslie, Leslie, you'll get it probably at the end of the service. Okay. <laughs> I can see the confusion on your face. <laughs> then one of my heroes, uh, Frodo Baggins from Lord of the Rings with his devoted Sam uh, alongside him. And then more recently, Galadriel, who saw Rings of Power. Galadriel and Rings of Power, she's just amazing. She's one of my heroes, heroines. One of my all-time heroes is Luke Skywalker. There he is, looking out into the distance. All his life, he's looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was. I avoided doing the Yoda accent, just to save you that. <laughs> and then some of the newer films, the Marvel, if you're into Marvel, uh, Natasha and Elena, um, who always go out and the baddie always loses. Mary loves it when there's a goodie and a baddie and the goodie always wins. That's her idea of a good movie. That's her idea of a good story. And we all love a hero, and I love a hero, and I love watching movies. I love reading books that have got heroes in them. And yet here comes along a different kind of hero. And hope is often found in our heroes. People who are willing to stand out from the crowd. Who loves to stand out from the crowd and be different? Some of us do. Some of us, we kind of like to blend in, especially if you're younger and you're at school. You don't want to, sort of, you don't want to look any different from anybody else. It's like as soon as you look different, you get picked on. But heroes are people who are willing to stand out from the crowd, willing to stand up in the midst of adversity, willing to give of themselves to benefit others. And Paul described Jesus as that kind of hero. He described him as the hope of Israel. A new hope for a people. And Isaiah, going back into Isaiah, talks about this in chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those who live in the land of shadow of death, a light has dawned. And it talked about Jesus, looking forward to this hero who would come. And at this point in time when it was written, the northern tribes of Israel were about to go into captivity in Assyria. A hundred years later, the, the, the southern tribes would go into captivity in a place called Babylon. And along came years and years later, hundreds of years later, an unlikely hero. I can't imagine what it would have been like for a people who live in hope never to find the hero coming. And I don't know about you, sometimes it can feel like that in our lives, where we're, we're waiting on Jesus to come in a certain situation, and we're like, where is he? Why is Jesus not coming in this situation? Why is there not this answer to prayer? Let's keep focused on Jesus. Let's keep praying and expecting him to come. The promise of a child, an unlikely hero. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, a hero born into the world at exactly the right time. Not just a hero for his day, but a hero for every generation that lived before and every generation that would live afterwards. Our hero today, still alive. This hero 
was born in obscurity. Think about Jesus. No palace, no privilege, no fragrant smells. He was born in a stable. And I don't know about you, have you ever been in a stable where they keep animals? Have you ever been in a place where they keep animals? And the smell is quite interesting, shall we say. When I was a wee boy, we used to go on holiday to a farm. And I remember I would go down first thing in the morning, five o'clock in the morning I'd get up, and I'd be walking down in the pitch black, and the only thing that I could see was the light in the barn, and I was walking in a straight line towards that light. I could see nothing else. Dumfries and Galloway, it's one of those dark places, great for watching stars. And one of the times I was in at the Milken, and you know what cows do, don't you? You know what cows do, right? Other than eat grass, they do other things, okay? And in the milking parlor, the cow had left a little present, okay? And if you can imagine this, like, like that's the floor, and then there's a wee gully where all the stuff that the cows uh, comes out, the cows goes into, right? And this cow, its hoof was perched right on the edge of that little that little dip. And all of a sudden, if you can imagine it slipping off of that and slipping down into the poo, right? And as it slipped down into the poo, there was this almighty splash and I was covered in it. (laughs) It was even in my mouth. I actually had cow poo in my mouth. It was disgusting. It was absolutely gross, okay? Imagine Jesus born into obscurity, born in a stable, born with the muck and the smell and the hay. Here's hoping he wasn't allergic because he would have had a hard time. If it was me, my allergies would have been kicking off. Born into poverty, and it's evident when we look at the accounts in the New Testament. Luke tells us about Mary and Joseph coming to offer Jesus on the eighth day, Uh, to be blessed in the temple. And it says that they offered a pair of doves and two young pigeons. And if you read Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8, that was what the poor people had to bring as an offering when they came to the temple. It was born in poverty, born in obscurity, born in poverty, and also born in treacherous times. Do you know, we take our peace and security for granted often. We live in a country where at the moment we enjoy, by and large, we enjoy peace. And yet there is a world outside our window, just to quote that Christmas song. I get it in every year. And there are things happening in our world. And there are people who are not living in peace and security, who can probably identify with the New Testament story, a time where Jesus had to be on the run from a crazy king. And therefore... Because we live in a a world that's crazy, we feel we need to play our part in that world. And one of the things that we do as a church is that we contribute to the needs of others. We contribute financially. We've not done any missions trips for a while, but we look to to do that again. And one of the things that we've contributed to just this uh, Christmas is the Ukraine appeal, where in AOG, we have... um, contributed to an appeal where they can buy radiators and take radiators to to people who are living in Ukraine who have no heating so that they can enjoy some heat and uh, keep keep their clothes dry and all that kind of stuff. Just a basic, simple thing. We need to pray that the power stays on in that country. So we've given to the Ukraine appeal and uh, we've also given to the Pakistan appeal. We've given to hope for justice. 
and uh, Hope for Justice. I remember sitting in conference watching a video, promotional video, if you like, for Hope for Justice. And I remember watching this video, and I, me and the guy next to me, one of the guys from the Northeast, Sean, we watched this video, and the two of us just sat in tears after watching this video. And we, we thought, how can people be so cruel to other people? That's the world that we live in. No peace for some people, no security, no safety for some people. And so we've given to hope for justice so that they can do what we can't do by employing professional people to free people who are being trafficked. We've given to the work of inter International Justice Mission who do the same thing except all over the world to care for the family because we're looking for justice for the family unit. The family unit is under attack these days. We've given money to safe families who give, to, who give time and resource to families in our area specifically. Justice for specific families in our community. And we've given to Watoto this year as well. Again, it's about justice, but justice for widows and orphans in Uganda. This is what we are doing with our giving. When there's a, a call for the generosity box, that's, that's part of where it goes. We give to help other people in our world because we believe that Jesus is somebody who brought justice and Jesus is looking for us maybe to be a hero, to bring justice to others. And because we believe in the teaching of that hero, Jesus, who summed up the law and ev everything to do with the law, 613 commandments summed up in a phrase, love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. And when you begin to read the book of James in the New Testament, James tells us that it's one thing to say that you do that, it's quite another thing to actually do it. And he says, faith without works is dead. We need to put it into practice. And I think about Jesus and the moments of time when we read about his birth where we got glimpses of who he was going to be. Think about a man called Simeon. Simeon recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. He recognized that he was the Savior. In Luke chapter 2, verse 28 to 32, this is what we read. Simeon took him, that is Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. A little baby, a person, an unlikely hero, born in obscurity, born in poverty. My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon was now saying, you can take me home, Lord. You fulfilled your word. I've seen the Messiah with my own eyes. And he prays over Jesus, which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This is Simeon speaking 700 years later. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon announced the fulfillment of the prophecy that we read just a few minutes ago. Then another lady, a prophetess, who lived in the temple, her name was Anna, who recognized that Jesus would be the redeemer of Israel. Luke chapter 2, verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the children, sorry, spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Here's a lady who recognizes what's happening. Do we have that sensitivity in our hearts that when we see Jesus, we recognize that it's him? Or are we too busy with the trappings and the tinsel of this time of year 
to recognize Jesus when he's right in front of us. And then Jesus began his ministry, and he talked about an upside-down kingdom where the first are last and the last are first, where those who want to lead need to learn how to serve. People love to be leaders and to be recognized, but true leadership is about service, and it's about a lot of things that happen that nobody ever sees. Where the humble are lifted up and the proud are laid low. Jesus spoke about humility and Jesus demonstrated humility in his life. And often we miss this spectacularly because like the chocolates that you had when you came in, if you didn't get one, please make sure you get one on the way back out. Some of us think that we're chocolate and we're so good that we would eat ourselves. And yet Jesus said, the first will be last and the last will be first. He flipped everything up on its head. He talked about leaders being servants. He talked about people who were humble being lifted up and people who were proud being laid low. Where self-sacrifice is valued over self-seeking. Jesus' kingdom is a different kind of kingdom and he demonstrated a different way to live. Loving God and loving other people. Loving even his enemies. Who's able to love their enemies? I don't know about you. I think it quite often transpires when you're in the car and you're driving along in the car and somebody does something and you realize that actually you don't love your enemies, the person who's just cut you off or the person who's just pulled out in front of you and they don't speed up. I'm like, if you want to pull it in front of me, just speed up, will you? Instead of these people who pull it in front of you and they go at 20 mile an hour, it's like, <laughs> love your enemies. It's hard, isn't it? Love the people who don't love you back. We work beside people like that all the time. People who we're commanded to love and they don't love us back, and it's hard. And yet Jesus gives us an example of a new way of living. It's all turned up in its head. It's so different from the way that the world lives. And the world loves to give to charity, but it loves to be seen doing it. Doesn't it? It loves to be seen doing it. And Jesus said, when you do your acts of charity, do it in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's coming a day when the motivations of every heart will be revealed. And we'll stand before a holy God on our own and we will give an account of our lives to God. And he will ask us about the standard that he talked about. If you want to read it, go into Matthew, start from chapter 5, go through to 7 and read the Sermon on the Mount. Read the book of James which echoes some of these teachings and find out how we should live this new way to live that we can only do through his strength. I can't live this way in my own strength and my own natural inclinations. It's not how I'm wired. It's not how you're wired either. We're wired to look out for ourselves. We're wired to think about our own needs. And yet Jesus says you need to think about God. You need to think about other people. And that's one of the great things about this time of year as we begin to live a different way. I want to suggest this, and I don't know if I've got my, my slide right. Here it is. We can only fully embrace the new hope if we embrace the new life, the Jesus life. Do you know what? 
Unless we embrace the life, we can't have the hope. And some people, I think, in our world today are lacking this very basic thing. They're lacking hope, but they're lacking hope because they lack the new way of life that Jesus talks about, this self-sacrificial life that we can only accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's the only way we can do it. Jesus' teaching is impossible in our own strength, but he comes and he gives us strength. Jesus, who said of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In order to appreciate the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, we need to embrace Jesus in his entirety. We need to live by his principles, not our natural inclinations, which can often be in conflict. And the only way we can do this is by inviting him into our lives. That's what's so special about this time of year. The baby Jesus came into the world. Jesus, as a human being, came into the world. And something in history changed that moment. A, a, a physical human being who was also God came into the world. And Jesus remains a physical human being, resurrected, fully God, fully human, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who prays for you and who prays for me. Incredible. I wonder, where do you need hope this Christmas? Maybe there are some people and you need hope this Christmas. I want to pray a prayer in just a little minute and pray that you find that hope, that you find that peace, that you find what you need this Christmas. And remind us that Jesus is the real hero, the only hero, the hero who gives us a real hope, who gives us something firm to hold on to. And he can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 tells us that. Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Whatever you need, whatever hope you need this Christmas time, it can be found in Jesus. He is the one who is the focus of our hope. Our life is in him. Our hope is in him. Not just a hope for today, but a hope for tomorrow and a hope for eternity. Let's just pray as we finish our time off together. And let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. And I want to make this invitation. Maybe there are people who've never invited Jesus into their hearts today. Maybe people in the building here. Maybe some of our children, some of our boys and girls, some of our young people, some of the adults in here today. And you've never invited Jesus into your life. Then I'm going to pray a prayer and you can pray that prayer after me. And you can invite Jesus into your heart. And then I'm going to pray over the congregation all who are gathered online today, all who maybe listen to this message uh, after it has been shared. I just pray that God comes and meets every need which we have. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. I ask that you would come into my life. I ask that you would be part of my life that your Holy Spirit would come and live in me. Give me the strength to live your way. Make me new. Make me clean. 
Forgive me for my sins. Come in and help me to live your way. In Jesus' name. And if you've prayed that prayer, then tell somebody that you've done it. Let somebody get alongside you and help you and guide you on the path, on that journey of following Jesus. And Father, we just pray. We pray for your word as it goes out in churches all over our world at this time of year. Father, we pray that people would have soft hearts and responsive hearts to your word. And Father, we pray for an open heaven above us. And Lord, that there would be people who hear that word and respond to it. May it rest on good soil, Father, good hearts. And Father, we pray that the enemy would not snatch that word away. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling uh, today. Father, those who need a fresh touch, who need fresh hope. Father, who just need something from you today. Lord, in their life and in their situation. Father, whether it's physical healing, whether it's emotional healing, Father, whether it's mental healing, Father, if it's a financial need, Father, whatever that need is, whatever people need today, Lord, we pray, help us to reach out to you, the author of hope, the author of our salvation. Father, we pray that you'd help us to reach out and to ask and to keep on asking, to keep and to keep on, to seek and to keep on seeking, to knock and to keep on knocking. And Father, we know that those who ask will receive, those who seek will find, and those who knock, the door will be opened unto them. And Father, we just pray that you would give us something of a, a something of tenacity in our spirits to reach out to you and to press into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you today. So good to see you. Remember, Christmas Eve, 6.30, bring a friend, bring people who don't know Jesus, and uh, the week after, or a week today, we'll have our, our Christmas Day service. Unbelievable. And I hope that you can join us for that. So, Lord bless you. Have a great day and a great week. Thank you.